Hey, welcome to the Foundry Church today. I know you're looking at this background and you're like, that, that seems, it makes me think of something. So let me help you out with this because I have a costume that will help you recognize the background on this. If you just take it and you're like, the hills are alive. Nope. Shouldn't do it. All right. Welcome to the Foundry Church. We're going to dive in. Actually, I love this picture um, because it just makes me think of travel, of going places, of adventure and excitement. We love to travel. It's something we've we've done. And one of the things that um, we as a family have used when we traveled is Rick Steves' book. I mean, he is the most awesome little pleated um, khaki pants with a little shirt tucked in. Just real nice, soft-spoken guy. But the dude is like magic when it comes to travel. It's unbelievable. He'll help you explore, uh, explore new places and understand cultural norms that go on in their society that maybe we as Americans would, um, you know, inadvertently rough the culture. So, so he's very good at helping you do that. I, I love what what he says uh, when you're visiting in Ireland, never kiss the Blarney Stone. He said it's filthy and disgusting and he would rather kiss a horse. Isn't it great? Like he gives you these little um, nuggets and um, like I just, I think what I love about it is there's these tidbits of wisdom that come out. Like when he tells Americans, if you're in Germany, don't go see the Black Forest. Big forested areas are a big deal in Europe because it's been cultivated for thousands of years. So there's not many forests left. But we as Americans see trees in, grouping of three, in groupings of three or more all the time. It's not going to be that magical to us. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's got these little wise kind of things at Trevi Fountain in Rome. He says if you ever want to get near the water because it's always jam-packed around Trevi. He says if you want to get near it, just go over to the right side of the fountain and there's always a gap there. And wonder of wonders, when we were there, we went and we're like, we walked over and it was full, like Thanksgiving dinner full. I mean, there were people everywhere. And we get there, we, we meander through the crowd like, you're like sidestepping people. We get to the right edge of Trevi Fountain and there was no one there. I was like, Rick Steves. He's just amazing. And I love how he has, um, how he has those little um, tidbits for you. You know, he's like, you know, just, just kind of helps you find the hidden treasures and gems. And is like, it's touristy, but it's worth it, right? He just is, he has these wonderful, almost it feels magical ways of seeing things that we as tourists would miss, but they're worth seeing. And one of the things I'm excited about is leaning into Proverbs. Proverbs has this winsome and wonderful capacity to um, give us a new lens on what's going Going on in life. And it gives us the opportunity to engage God's wisdom in the life we lead. And if Rick Steves has good wisdom, I can't, I can't even tell you how much more infinite God's wisdom is for our everyday life that we live on the journey, on the road of life which we live. And as we go into this year, um, one of the things I want to do is just pause and talk about the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, it follows immediately after the book of Psalms, so right there in the middle of the Bible. See, kind of like in the middle. Proverbs 8.22 is what I'm open to right now. Uh, Proverbs is right in the middle of the book in the Bible, and here's the thing about it. It is written by multiple 
authors. But they would have been, it would have been primarily King Solomon, the son of David. So Solomon wrote the vast majority of the book of Proverbs. But there's a guy named Agur, which I think that was, I'm like, yeah, it's just such a funny name. Yeah, his name is A-G-U-R. He's listed as an author. Lemuel, who uh, is listed as writing some Proverbs. And here's the scandalous part of him. His mom taught him the great wisdom which in an age where women weren't valued that much, it's kind of interesting that that's noted. And, um, and so we have Lemuel and Agur, and then you have Solomon who wrote the vast majority of them. And a lot of these uh, Proverbs and the different things written in here were compiled by King Hezekiah after the life and death of Solomon and all the sayings were there, and he finally compiled them into a uniform um, scroll so that they could be kept forever. It's the longest, uh, it's one of the books of the Bible that's most ancient that we have original copies of. So it's a very awesome book in that. But here's the thing about Proverbs. It's not like a letter from the Apostle Paul to Ephesus, a church, where he walks through some things. There are a bunch of different kind of threads in this. If you think of it like a quilt, there's some patchwork of poetry. There's uh, maxims where, where these, which are kind of these short, pithy little statements that are expre- expressing like a general truth, something that is true, and it's just um, a short little statement, and they're kind of stitched together in the book of Proverbs like a quilt. So you have, um, you have these maxims or words of wisdom, the proverbial statements of danger, sharp curves ahead. That's what these wisdom are. They're wisdom for the life you're living, and they're, used, they're meant to be used in real time. Uh, some of these things in the book of Proverbs, one of the patches that are sewn in to the quilt of Proverbs is riddles. So there's actually little riddles that are woven into this, and they were to whet the appetite of the reader and get them hungry to dig in and dig a little deeper and learn the deeper truth that is hidden within it. It's, it's supposed to help you extract a truth that's worth digging for. Think of digging for like a ruby or an emerald. It's worth getting dirty and getting down and finding that. And that's what those riddles do. They, they encourage us. They um, kind of magnetically pull us to go, well, what does that mean? And we start digging for it. And hopefully, as you're in this, uh, this book that we have for you this year, you're going to find yourself wanting to dig more and more into some of these riddles and things like that. There's also um, some contrasts. So you have the foolish, the mocker, kind of uh, weighed over and against the righteous and the wise. And you'll often see, like, you know, the fool is, is you know, squanders his wealth. But the wise... Invest it, you know, invest it faithfully, something like that. So you'll, you'll see them kind of juxtaposed, and, and you'll see these comparisons, and they make it pretty plain. You just don't want to be a fool or a mocker. But wisdom is not something you just get. It's something you pursue, something you cultivate and grow into. And then there in this, another patch in this quilt is there's just some very simple uh, true observations, right? There's truth in action um, in this. When it says, like, drunkenness is not good. It's just a true observation. I I can't think of many people who are like, you know what was it? No, that's generally not when you make those good decisions, and it speaks to that. It's a true observation. So we can see the patchwork of the book of Proverbs right here in front of us, but here's what we need to know. What it isn't, the book of Proverbs is not 
like magic spells. It's not a form of recipe or incantation or something where you can. Um, so one of the things that it says is discipline your child and they will be a blessing to you. That's in Proverbs. But it's not a recipe. It's not a recipe. Many people who have been faithful, good parents have disciplined their children, and yet their children have rebelled. What it's saying is, in the broad general practice, to discipline a child is much better than to let a child run unchecked. And that's what it's saying. It's not saying, if you spank your child or you ground your child or whatever, you're never going to have problems. That's not true, right? That's not true. I mean, my parents are like, we spanked him a lot. We had problems about me, right? Like I, I just, I think it's important that we understand that it's not a magic spell. It's not a recipe where you put these ingredients together and you hope or you, you expect or demand a certain outcome. We realize that there is free will in this life and that sometimes children rebel or things go poorly even though we've done all the right things. And, and I think Job would say it rains on the just and the unjust alike. So there are times where we need to remember it's not a magic spell. But one of the things that I see in this is uh, discipline your children and they will be a blessing to you. If you have done your part, if you have obeyed that and lived into it, and if they do go astray, you know this, that you have done all you can do and you've been faithful to God in the raising of your children. They have chosen other but you have been faithful, and I think it's important that we live into our part because hopefully in the end our children will not depart from the example set. Now, looking back, looking at this in a more cultural context, context, there are these little things called life hacks. Anybody like life hacks? Yeah, like I, I love like when people say like this person cut a cake with this cup and life will never be the same again, and you're like, what? This is the weirdest statement to make about cake. And then you watch the video and you're like, I am forever changed. That is an amazing life hack. I remember one life hack that my grandma, uh, so my grandma Cox, my mom's mom, used to fill celery stalks because they're like little boats. And what goes better in boats than, I guess, cream cheese and chives. So she would put cream cheese and chives in her little celery stalks. She was such a delicate lady. I loved her so much. But here's what she would do. She would chop up the celery and then fill them. I remember my brother Lincoln was leaning on the counter one day while she's working, as children do. What you doing? You know, he's just talking to her. And he goes, Grandma, why do you, why do you cut them first if you filled it all at once? Then you could cut it. And she was just like, for years I've done this. You know, and she got a life hack, and that's pretty cool. Um, I like that little story because there is life hacks. But here's what we know. Life hacks help us out of a situation. This book is not a life hack. This book is not a way, it, what it is meant to do is to prepare and pour wisdom into you for the journey ahead, for the hard situation you're inevitably gonna face. It is not meant, here's, it's much more of, a, of what to pack if you're in a situation of survival, right? You don't read what to pack in a situation of survival for the first time when you're lost. It does no good. You haven't packed what's in that book. 
This book is not meant to get you out of those sticky situations, though it speaks wisdom to it. What it's intended to do is help you know what to pack for the road that lies ahead. It's not a life hack. It's something you want to know before going into the situation. Join me as we read Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. It says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. I've never just thought of it as, that is an awesome title. Like, yeah, I like that. Anyways, wow, that was a little ADD there. Um, For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. So that's kind of naming a thesis statement of this book. And it goes on to say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if, if in that closing verse, if Solomon's giving us his, our thesis here and saying, look, it's going to help you have understanding. It's going to help you gain discernment and guidance and all these things. But in the end, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, um, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So then we should look and make sure we have that very first thing. Do we fear the Lord? What does it mean to fear God? Do we walk around all the time terrified that he's going to attack, hit the smite button and poof. No, that's not the kind of fear we're talking about. We're talking about an upward gaze, a gaze that puts us in proper perspective, where when when I say upward gaze, it means something greater than me. So when we have an upward gaze and we're looking upwards, what happens is it becomes a posture. We approach God not as a vending machine, give me this on equal terms, or even demeaning, God, you said you would bless me, now gimme, gimme, gimme. Um, what we do is we have an upward gaze, which means there is a posture of approach to someone who is not just our senior. God is, well, he is God. He is the creator of the universe. He has created us in his image for his glory and his purposes, not vice versa. It's one of the things we always lean into here at the Foundry Church, and it's one of the reasons we are a cultural anomaly. You'll come in here and maybe have some things that you feel are justified in your life, and you'll want this faith and this church and this word of God to affirm what's going on in you. Well, that's just the way I am. That's just, you know, that's, that, that's what I desire. Or maybe, you know, I, I just struggle with that and that's kind of who I am. Here's the thing. Jesus was never intended to be made in your image. By his salvation, you are invited to have the Holy Spirit in your life and to be made into his image. And, and fearing, fearing God means this. We understand whose image is being we are being made into. It's not Jesus into ours. It's us into his. We are being made into the image of Christ, which means what? There's always going to be an upward gaze. And it is a fearful process. There's part of us that has to die in order for Christ to fully live, for Christ to live in us. And wisdom tells us to fear the Lord. Here's what fearing the Lord means. If you come in here and you have something in your life that comes, you come by naturally and you're like, but it's who I am. But maybe the one who made you doesn't want it there. 
And fearing God means you submit to his authority and not demand that he justify your behavior or or who you are. This is an important reality. Fearing God means we're in a posture of upward gazing. We trust and love and respect and honor the character of God in our life. And here's the thing. It's obeying God because we know maybe people can't see what we're doing, but he always sees. God's eye is always on us. And so we live, whether in public or in private, the same. We are people who do not have a secret life and a public life. And if you do, that shows a clear lack of the fear of God because you think, if I can hide it from everybody else, God really doesn't care. And that is not in keeping with God's character. God cares. Sin matters. And God dealt with it by the life of his very son, his only son. So when we look at this, we understand fearing God is critical. Just think about it. The next breath that comes out of my mouth is actually his to give or take. I don't live a life guaranteed. I live in faith that he is going to give me my next breath. And one of the great parts of our theology and understanding on this is that the name of God in the ancient Hebrew, the I am, the great I am, when, when we say that, the Yahweh is how it was said in Hebrew, but they would have never said it because it was so sacred. But here's the thing. The way that name was said was the sound of breathing. It's the sound of breathing, which means what? He's the very breath in our lungs. And when he decides that we've had our last breath, then that is it. But also, every breath you take is a confession of him, whether you like it or not. So my thing is, our confession of him should match our posture towards him. He is God. He is God Almighty and Most High. And we should fear him because he's almighty, but we should also trust him because he's shown himself trustworthy and infinitely loving towards us. In the first five weeks of this series, what you're going to get to do is, um, is start your devotion book. The, the devotion book we have, which is um, uh, Wisdom for the Road Ahead. I totally forgot the title. So, oh, there it is. Oh, man, I got a little help from Erica. Um, wisdom from the one who made the road. I think that's a really important um, aspect to this because we often like to be self-made, but we have to remember, if we live in the fear of God, we realize that he has ordained our steps. He has laid a path out in front of us, and as we walk the road of life, we should be gaining and gleaning wisdom from the one who knows and made the road we will travel. So when we look at this and we understand that this book invites us to 365 days of wisdom from the one who made the road, I hope you get excited. For the next 365 days, you will be reading in this book every day a little piece of scripture and a devotion written by somebody within our devotion writing team, our staff, or somebody, yeah, those two places. And here's the cool part about it. It is the entire book of Proverbs. We're going to be in it for a full year doing our devotions. There'll be some times where maybe we deviate a little like in the summer series or something, but here's the thing. This book will be a constant wisdom in our lives from the one who made the road. It gives us the opportunity to lean into him and know 
that we're using Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, as a pathway, but also we'll be looking into the lives of other biblical characters who were wise and lived faithfully um, into God's wisdom and instruction, who feared the Lord, and their lives reflected it by, the, by some means of grace that was extended to them or some participant role they played in the great narrative of Scripture. So this year, I'm excited to invite you to be a part of that every day. It's going to be an adventure, and I'm excited to be there, but here's the thing. Um, We need to pack our bag, right? I don't know if you've ever been backpacking, but you get these big backpacks. I totally forgot mine at home. I just remembered it right now. I'm like, oh man. But um, you get these big backpacks, right? Like a 65 liter big old backpack that you put on. And uh, we've used those when we've traveled and they're awesome. And you need to be packing them with a few different things. And what we're trying to do in the days and weeks to come is to think about our character. Our character is what we want to be packing in for the road ahead. And we want to be leaning in over the next five weeks to these five things. Am I teachable? Am I teachable? Am I righteous? Remember, righteous isn't what you are, it's who you are in Christ. Am I teachable? Am I righteous? Am I humble? Am I self-controlled? Am I forgiving? Here's how I look at it. I, again, I come from out west, um, and it, it's, it's always fascinated me how people come and visit the mountains, right? They come out and they visit the mountains, and a lot of them have never been to the mountains. And so you get, you know, flatlanders coming out, and they're like driving in the mountains, and their brakes are on fire, and you're like, dude, don't ride your brakes, right? But here's one of the funny things that happens. I don't know if it's funny, but a bit of a dark comedy, but... um, there are, on the Colorado National Monument in my hometown, there's these huge red rock formations, and it's gorgeous, and it's just like, it's like God just hand-sculpted the, the geography. It is so beautiful, and people love to get close to it, and there'll be signs, don't go past here, like, stop. No passing here. This is it, right? Don't go past here, and they'll be like, there's 10 feet of rock, why can't I walk out there and look off the edge and be like, because we all have to spit or throw a rock off. And they go out there, and because they're not from there, they don't realize that red rock sandstone has a, a layer of teeny tiny little grains of sand on it. And when you step on it, it's like walking on marbles. And sometimes people are like, there's 10 feet of, oh, You know, and you're like, oh, my word. And what happens is they think that sign applies to somebody else. They think that's for somebody else who can't keep their footing. But the the people who put the sign there know the rock beyond the wall. They know the rock beyond the fence. And like, don't go out there. Not because you're not sure-footed, but because the rock isn't stable. Because what you're going to walk on is going to cause you to fall. And when you fall there, that's your last fall. They look at that and they see it, think it's for other people. They think it's for someone else. Here's the thing. In being, well, teachable, in being humble, we look at the signs in Proverbs and we go, that needs to be listened to. Even though I see no danger beyond that sign, I see no danger, that doesn't mean that God doesn't see danger for me. He's the one who made the road. So we, in being teachable, in being humble, in being self for, self-controlled, prevent ourselves from calamity and heartache because maybe we thought this doesn't apply to me, 
but it's because we don't know the road the way the maker does. So when we look at these things being teachable, we want to get that packed up and put in our bag to take with us on the journey. We want to be teachable every step we take. We want to be righteous. We want to know that we're walking in the character of Christ, not our own righteousness or goodness. We are righteous in him, not because of something we've done. So we want to pack that and we want to take it. We want our our person to be exemplary, not by behavior, but by character. And our character becomes linked to Christ and we are righteous in him. We are righteous in him. We want to be humble. Humility is one of the most attractive qualities in the world. And not that fake humility who's like, no, 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 thank you, but no, tell me more. Like that's not what we're talking, not that schmarmy humility, but the real humility that thinks so little of themselves, whether good or bad, that they just find themselves serving wherever they can. Humility, we wanna pack it up, we wanna put it in the bag and have that with us. We want to have self-control. You will find time and again that the fool and the mocker lack self-control. And I want to say something. The fool and the mocker are never spoken of in this book in a way it's like, yeah, he was great, but no, he was just not great. He's a fool and a mocker. Self-control is one of those pillars of wisdom that keeps us from being a fool or mocker because we all have instincts to speak up, speak out, or do things that are foolish and making mockery. But here's the thing. Scripture speaks very clearly that self-control is something we want to wrap up tight and put in the bag and have on the journey with us. And finally, forgiving. Here's what I think of when I think of forgiving. If you can't forgive, what you're doing is you are dragging everyone that's hurt you down the road with you. And every step is pulling an ever-growing chain of people who've wronged you, who've hurt you, who haven't done right by you. And your way gets much harder every step you go down the road because you're pulling with you all the offenses, all the grievances, all the things intentionally done to hurt you, and all the accidental hurts that have happened. When you don't forgive, it kills you. It's hard on you. The people who you don't forgive are living rent-free in your head, not vice versa. They may not even know you're mad. You're just dragging all the memory, all the heartache, and it's a slog. Even a flat, nice walk through an open meadow gets really tough when you're dragging all the bitterness with you. Forgiving sets you free. It doesn't mean you allow them to hurt you again. It just sets you free to live freely and lightly, knowing that they, maybe they wronged you, but you forgive and in humility you remember that you need to be forgiven and you're able to just step forward into life knowing that yes, people are gonna hurt you, but that doesn't mean you have to carry it with you every chance you get. So think of these five weeks that we're about to take as an explorer's trek. Oh, other side, dyslexia, every time. Um, Think of it like a mountain trail. You're gonna be on an explorer's trek. And it's going to be a wonderful journey. But these are the things you need for this journey. Make sure they are always with you. Don't leave your bag behind. Oh my gosh, I have a story that just still makes me want to throw up. We we went to England for a sabbatical when I finished uh, seminary. And we had dreamed about planting a church. 
And the idea was to go like explore Western rail hubs and Western European rail hubs and think of the church like a rail hub. It's not the place you have to be, but you have to go through it to get where you're supposed to be. Kind of a cool concept, right? I know. And um, we went. Our very first night, we flew, we drove to Toronto. We flew Toronto to London Heathrow. Favorites. I just love London so much. And we got to London. We took a train 30 miles. Uh, well, we went to another city and then we came back to my campus where I did my discipleship training school in Harpenden, England at the Highfield Oval. We get to the Oval. We're unpacking our stuff. And Erica says, Where's the white bag? That means nothing to you, but it meant everything to us. Every passport. I think we had like all our cash, there was a number of thousands of dollars, in cash, in a bag, and traveler's checks. Oh, train tickets? Oh my gosh, all the train tickets, which were super not cheap. Everything was in the bag. And that, that moment of horror where I could feel all the life draining out of me, I was a 30-minute run from the train station. I was like, I'll be back. I bolted. I went out and I made my right and I was getting onto the road and I crossed a guy, almost ran me over. Um, they drive on the wrong side of the road. Again, dyslexia really had my number in England. And, um, and I turn and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, I left my most important bag at the train station. He's like, jump in, I'll give you a ride. I'm like, yeah, praise God, you know. So off we go. We go, we're driving up to the train station and as we drive, there's like this weird, like multiple intersection stop, a little uh, kebab shop, which yeah, it's just a little like eatery thing is there. And in front of it was the bag that I had set down and just left. I, I, I think I jumped out of the car. I was like, there it is! And I like jump out and I'm like, oh, yeah. I pick it up and I'm like, let me I'm kissing it and I like open it. I could see the money. I'm like, we are bad at packing safely, actually. I could see the passports, the money, everything. And I zip it up. I didn't have my cell phone to call Erica. And I'm like, we got to get back. He's like, okay. Because I knew, we both had said this, we have to go home. But to go home, we'd have to get new passports, go to the consulate in London. We had no money if we, oh my goodness, this was like worst nightmare situation. Don't, oh man, don't leave the bag behind. Don't leave it behind. I can't tell you what it was like having that. But here's the question, everywhere we went, every time we left, got the white bag, I was like, it is sewn to me, right? I couldn't shake it loose. That thing was on me. Why? Because I had lost it once. And I, I was like, man, I know every day we were there, I knew was a gift because I don't know how many people walked by it and thought, what a weird little white bag. I'm like, it's not a weird little white bag, it's treasure, right? So don't lose what you've packed. Don't lose that teachability, righteousness, humility, self-control, and forgiveness. Don't lose those things. Have them with you. Life in Christ is a journey like no other. So join us on an adventure as we step into Proverbs and recognize this life is dynamically in motion, but it doesn't mean that God hasn't laid forward a road for you to travel and a journey to be on. There will be exciting summits. There'll be dark and difficult valleys. But the reality is this. When you go through those places, you'll find out there were also these little things called miracle zones where only God, only he preserved you. We talk about miracle zones on staff a lot here at this church. One of our miracle zones as a family is that white bag story. God provided and protected us. 
in that moment. It's a miracle zone. By no favor or goodness of myself did that bag not get stolen. It was only because God was kind. We get into miracle zones where if he doesn't get involved, everything goes wrong. You're gonna experience those things. So make sure you have checked your supplies. Be teachable. In Christ, you are righteous. Own that. Don't fall back into old habits. Be humble, self-controlled, and forgiving. And see how God takes those things and uses them to help you journey on the road road he has laid out before you. Pray with me, friends. Lord Jesus, thank you for this, um, this series for 2021. Thank you for 2020 and the, the lessons learned and the griefs walked through, but also the hope that's out ahead of us. And we ask God in this new year that you would um, keep our bag on our back and keep it packed full of these elements that will give us the ability, the capacity, and the joy to live fully on the road you've prepared for us to journey down. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, our hope and our confession. Amen. So the road ahead of us is unknown to us. But my question and challenge to you is, do you believe that God knows? Do you believe that no matter what you face, he's a part of it? 2021 is going to challenge us in wonderful new ways and in very hard new ways. But the road is not hidden to the one who made it. And as we travel this road together in community, I wanna invite you to a couple of things. If you're starting this new year off with us in this church and you're not in a group, I wanna invite you to create some intersection points in your life. Let your road intersect with other believers who can speak wisdom into your life. One of the greatest gifts I've been given as a Christian, as a pastor, are people who are fearless in speaking truth at me, wisdom at me. And sometimes they say it at me. It doesn't always feel good, but it's quite often the very word of wisdom I need to hear, and they say it a little bluntly at times because otherwise I'm not gonna hear it. If you don't have intersections with other believers, you're not traveling the road to the fullest extent. You're not engaging every opportunity. You need to have those intersections. I invite you, email us, info at foundrychurch.net and ask, can I get in a group? And we will do our level best, not our level best, we will get you into a group with other believers, other people who are walking the road of life and we'll have intersection points for you to journey at times alone, but always knowing there's a place at which you'll be able to share your story, work through your grief, your joys, and all these different things in community. As you travel this road, it's not meant to be solitary. We are not Gnostics, or as English would say, Gnostics. We are people to be in community, and I invite you to be a part of that. This road that we're about to take requires friendship, and sometimes you need somebody to help pull you up. Sometimes you need to lean over and help pull people up, but it's the joy of Christian community that we do so in humility, in love, in self-control, in serving one another. I love the idea of us being on roads that intersect all over, connected to one another, speaking wisdom and life into each other's just road ahead. So, as we go from this place, as you prepare to really lean into 2021, my challenge to you is don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. Be with, walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Use that devotional. Walk in community with the whole church. Be with us in worship. And 
get involved in a group and walk in deep relationship with people who love the Lord and want to see his best come to fruition in your life. As you do, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Man, it's 2021. We made it. Grace and peace as you go.